2: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York Never compromise, drink responsibly
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Rotowire wire Fantasy Football Podcast Jeff Erickson here uh, with my friend Jim Coventry uh, We haven't done a podcast together, thought we'd do that uh, Chris had to do uh, Raw Emotion Monday Because I was at a charity golf tournament So giving him the day off from the podcast And get a chance to get uh, Jim's insights instead Jim, how are you
3: doing? I'm doing very well. Yes, everybody knows. Crazy, crazy season. But we persevere, we do our best, and we hope to provide some entertainment. Right, Jeff? That's right.
1: So, crazy week five. More injuries, more earth-shattering earth stuff. So, let's uh, let's first ask, how's your week uh, five going? What do you need on the Monday night and Tuesday night
3: football games? Well, this is a funny question because Jeff, you clearly don't know my history. I do not check any fantasy score until every game for the week has been completed for years. Well, think about it. So here's the biggest problem. We have how many teams, double digits, however many that may be. So, let's say for instance i needed michael thomas who's not playing on monday night let's say i needed 17 points from him well i check my scores well so and so my opponent also needs 17 points from him so now i'm watching the game conflicted and i also am looking for a certain result instead of studying the game to really try to learn and and really for what i do that's how i provide a lot of my content and so i try to eliminate the bias that way
1: oh okay i like that there uh you don't ever run into the okay, I've heard this guy's not, you know, not playing, so I can make a late swap uh,
3: and happen to check the scores while you're there, or, you know, is that ever open? Oh. Good question. So, like, for instance, it was an early game, but this is just a four instance. So yesterday on the Sunday games, Julio Jones, I knew it would be a game time decision. I happen to have Zacchaeus, which turned out terribly, uh, sitting on my bench. So what I do is I go to the set lineup page. I have those bookmarked. And so any lineup where I know there might be a player I have to switch, I just open the bookmarked set lineup page and make any adjustments from there. Uh, but I definitely do not the league homepage. Pretty correct.
1: sneaky, sis. I like it. I like it. <laughs>
3: all right it's worked for me it's really worked for me it really allows me to enjoy football a lot more because i remember the stressful monday nights of i need three more yards and it just watching the plays, looking for that only
1: do you do that uh but how about like playoffs
3: a championship game you don't
1: know no 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 at all You, you keep that maintain that discipline
3: every for years i literally this is probably going eight to 10 years strong and never, ever, ever check a score.
1: Do you have military background here to maintain that sort of discipline? (laughs) Not to my knowledge. Okay. All right. Good to know. Um, Let's start off with the big news has to be the Dak Prescott injury. I was watching that game live, devastating injury. You could tell right away. You're like, Oh, they showed the replay once to their credit. They didn't, they, they showed the injury once and then they didn't replay it over and over and over again. It wasn't like Theismann on Monday night. Uh, I think they've gotten better, a little bit more sensitive about that sort of thing. When you can see it's that traumatic, uh, just just a
3: horrific injury. It was and what do you do? I mean, he's such a good guy and he's a great player and you, you knew just how how many levels he was heartbroken and just to see him in that moment of you know all those negative things for him and i felt so horrible for him. my heart just went out to him and i just speedy recovery to him 100% recovery and and i hope he's you know his pain gets minimized very quickly but man what what a terrible thing to have to watch
1: yeah it it was hideous and you know and all the backdrop too of his ne- contract negotiations makes it even worse too he bet on himself 2 years running and it you know it was really working he was all set up for uh, to win if you will on these deals because every time you know you know the goalpost would move and the cowboys wouldn't pay up and you know it's like okay well we'll go another year and now who knows he's out for the season four to six months uh with a compound fracture or dislocation uh and who knows what sort of player he'll be when he comes back from this obviously mobility is a huge part of his game and this is this has to be a factor
3: yeah absolutely it does um the financial end which i know we don't care about but you mentioned the contract i'm hoping what i read today was right that he still has it but he had a 50 million dollar policy to cover him in case of catastrophic injury mm-hmm. and so hopefully it doesn't come into play and hopefully he's 100 percent and he makes whatever money he is able to get in the future but if he had that at least you know that area of it helps a little bit not what he would have made but um But nonetheless, you're absolutely correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, For the Cowboys, Andy Dalton steps in. Uh, How aggressive are you going to be in the market for him? Let's start off a standard 1QB
3: league. In a 1QB league, I do not prefer to have shares of him. And I'll tell you why. The main reason... Dallas is without both of their offensive tackles. Yeah. We know Lyle Collins was out for the season. We know his backup was out for the season. And we also know Tyron Smith is now expected to miss the entire season. Teams are now going to load the box and they'll run blitz. Teams will put an immense amount of pressure to, to not only stop Zeke, but also pressure Dalton. And that is going to be problematic. Now he's fortunate in that he has areas who receivers who can win in the short area of the field, like Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and those are mainly the two because Michael Gallup, although he hit well yesterday, he's a downfield guy, and when teams are prepared for that, Dalton's not getting that kind of time. So I think he's going to be a very, very limited fantasy option because, oh, again, that offensive line is in shambles.
1: I think, you, I think that's a, a huge concern. It really hurts Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb as well. Uh Michael Gallup caught a couple passes from him. I wonder does he th- has he been throwing more to Gallup in practice? Maybe that was why he turned to him late. He threw a actually you know believe it or not the knock on Andy Dalton with the Bengals was the deep ball often. Threw a really pretty deep one to Gallup at the end of that game against the Giants. I know that one, one is not a good
3: sample, but it was nice
1: to see that nonetheless.
3: Well, and the thing we have to consider is the Giants didn't game plan for Dalton. And so what happened was they were going in with the game plan that they had. And so now once teams realize, oh, Andy Dalton's at quarterback. Oh, they don't have their offensive tackles, a non-mobile quarterback. I'm telling you, what we're going to see is we are going to see the pocket get blown up on a regular basis, multiple times per game. He will not have time to throw downfield to Michael Gallup.
1: I'm in a super flex league. And actually, I'm in, a, I think, three super flex leagues. You opened up the vault there in a case like that, especially if you're a Dak. Uh, you've got Dak yeah. rostered or, you know, I, I've got a league, Jim, where, okay, I've got Justin Herbert, which is great. I'm happy with that so far and happy he's been named the starter for the rest of the season. But they're on by next week. I've got Cam Newton. Who knows if he's going to play next week? I have Jimmy G. Who knows if he's going to be able to play this week? I also had Rippon. I probably doubt that he'll play. The extra week probably puts Drew Locke back in there. Yes. I
3: think I have to be pretty aggressive here, Jim. You absolutely, in a super flex league, have to be aggressive. All the pictures that I painted were keeping him from being a top 8 to 12 option. However, as we said earlier, he has weapons who can get air open in the short area of the field. There will be screen passes to Elliott. He's seen in a ridiculous amount of targets. And Dallas's defense is going to force game script. So there is going to be volume. Instead of the 450 that Dak was throwing for, Dalton may throw for 250, one or two touchdowns. And in a super flex league, absolutely sign me up for that. Now the games we're going to be very concerned about is when they're playing, for instance, the Washington football team that has a devastating pass rush, that is going to be a major problem. But when they have more of a middling opponent, uh, he definitely looks a lot better in those games.
1: Yeah, he does. Uh, And it's going to, you know, I'm going to have to make some decisions and the the other problem too is of course other people are going to have more fab. Let me ask you this. Are your leagues change? Like, do you have any leagues that are running Tuesday night fabs? And
3: if so, are they changing it because of the Tuesday night game this week? You know, there have been no announcements. I've seen nothing in my inbox. So the assumption is I'm putting in my claims on time, but maybe those emails are coming out tomorrow morning. Yeah. How about yourself?
1: I'm, I'm looking at it like I'm on a Yahoo league and, you know, for mostly it says, and I I have three Yahoo leagues where they run it on Tuesday night. And I'm like, ah, I I really would like the extra day here. But uh, it it, it says like for most leagues with default waiver settings, there'll be no way to change the way we process waivers for weeks with a Tuesday game. Uh, If you use continuous waivers with a Tuesday clear date, waiver claims will not be processed until Wednesday. So uh, it's a nightmare it's just a nightmare to deal with this. And every, you know, every week brings a new adventure. Uh, and we just have, I guess we just have to adjust. Baseball adjusted. We got through the regular season. We're getting through the playoffs. Basketball and hockey did a phenomenal job getting their players through the bubble. I wish that was possible in the NFL or MLB. I, I, it, maybe it is possible, but it's extremely unwieldy.
3: The biggest problem that the NFL would have we're going to have Thanksgiving, we're going to have Christmas, and even though that's really late in the season, good luck getting families to sign off on that one, but otherwise, there's a period of time they could pull that off for sure,
1: yeah yeah i think I think it's possible too, but uh, I, like I said you know it's logistics are difficult, you know you there are so many people, not just the players but all the support personnel. People don't realize how much it takes to produce a football game. You know, with the coaches and trainers, and you know all the other support people. It, it, and you know,
3: it's it's a multi-billion-dollar organization. And there's a lot of people involved. Yes. And one thing that many NFL veterans understand is that they have a limited window to make money. And I know there was a lot of talk that many veteran players were going to get in the ears of the young players to explain that to them, that we can't screw this up. We can't have an outbreak because, again— the average career length is, what, two or three years. And we know the stars play longer than that. But the average length of the average player is not anywhere near that. So time is of the essence for them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so that, that is a big, big deal there, especially a running back. Speaking of running backs, your guy, <laughs> Dalvin Cook, you are so right on him, Jim. And now he's got this groin strain. Uh, he had an MRI. Coach Mike Zimmer relayed it went well. We'll see how he does this week. In other words, he told us nothing, nothing at all. Uh, (laughs) Short week for the Vikings. This is going to be very difficult for us to deal with.
3: It is. And I know that a number of people who drafted Dalvin they made the the draft day. Some people would reach to get Alexander Madison on draft day. I was saying in the preseason that, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that if Cook misses time, I think it's going to become – the Alexander Madison and Mike Boone show. Mike Boone did have one bad game in week 16, the wrong time last year, Mm -hmm. but in week 17, he was phenomenal. He is a very explosive player. And I think he does get a significant amount of work and that further clouds the situation. If I'm right, if I'm wrong and Madison jumps right in and many people who have Cook would not spend the eighth round or so pick it would take for, to get Madison. So, yes, they are in dire straits. And we have teams on by this week, the Seahawks, the Chargers, Ugh. the Saints, and the, and the Raiders. So, again, we compound this problem of people are more aggressive on the waiver wire because they're going to have to fill in for these running backs. So, yes, it is not a good situation. Yes, uh,
1: significant fantasy teams there. Major, major fantasy team. Seattle is the one that's hurtful for me. I've been riding that Russell Wilson, Des, uh, yes. not Des Bryant. I call him DK Metcalf. <laughs> What's Bryan, the difference? But interesting. Yeah, yeah, comp. But uh, Metcalf's even bigger. He's more TO than he is, yes. today, I
3: think. But, yes.
1: Uh, regardless, I have a lot of those guys. On my, I, I have those guys on a lot of my teams. So it's a major, major bye week for me. Uh, one of the things, like if you drafted best ball, all these shifting bye weeks are, you know, Greatest laid plans going to waste
3: here. But I guess an injury does the same thing. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. It, that's the whole thing, right, between injury. But this is really crazy because some people, and I'm not one of them, were looking at bye weeks and constructing a roster, maybe when putting quarterbacks together. You absolutely absolutely do with quarterbacks. Yes, because right, you have no other out. Right, you have no other out, and so in those cases, yes, that's a massive problem because right, you can't draft anymore in a baseball league. That draft started, it ended, and now you're stuck.
1: Yeah, and you know, it. And with bye weeks are the ultimate like, you know, call, answer back, you response to some, you know, someone that said, you know says advocates uh, get it, you know, drafting uh the top backup to a running back, for instance. I, I'm trying to avoid terms right uh, here, right. But, uh, you know drafting Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison okay great except that's two spots you're taking up and you only have 20 and yes you know, it then you add in bye weeks to that equation or you know it, you know great you know it's great that I have Madison in a league where I have Cook already I have I, I've done that combo in a couple of leagues but if you, I'll tell you it you know it's tough when you're there's other weeks when Madison's doing nothing and You know, you've you've got other guys on by, and God forbid another injury. And let's face it, running backs get hurt. That's what they do. You know, it it runs out pretty quick.
3: Absolutely correct. You know, you mentioned Alexander Madison as much as I said about the Mike Boone thing. There was one higher stakes best ball league I was in, and Madison fell to like the 13th or the 14th round. And at that point, yeah, that was an easy one, having Delvin Cook. And then it was like a super deep roster. So like in round 20, Mike Boone was sitting there. And at that point, it was like, you know what? Cook gets hurt a lot. And so maybe that was not a smart pick, but I guess time will eventually tell.
1: Yeah, it will. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. but And we'll see what happens with Boone. You know, Madison looked good with the exception mm-hmm. of one carry last night. Unfortunately, it was the you know the the you know the last carry he got, and you know I I think we've you've all everybody's seen the you know, like the screenshot from above of that massive Subaru sized hole to the right that was open instead of running right into the back of the fullback and into the tackler on that fourth down play. You know, Jim, I thought I tweeted beforehand. It was a tweet that did not age well. I said it was a very easy decision to go for it. I stand by that. Because I tried not to be results oriented, I still think you know the Vikings were gashing the Seahawks on the ground. They convert that first down, the game's over. you know, know, field goal doesn't end the game. I think that's one of the things people don't realize is you know the only thing is then the Seahawks get the
3: ball and they probably get the ball with better field position too. But at least it's an eight-point game if they kick the field if they kick the field goal. It's an eight-point game, and the absolute worst the Seahawks can do is tie the game.
1: True. That, that and that that's a that's a solid rebuttal, but it was a rain. It was raining. The kick is not a guarantee. Correct. Bad Correct. snaps happen. You know, he can just flat out miss the kick. If he misses the kick, they get the ball at the twenty, and it's still then your you know, kick could get blocked. You know, lots of things could happen there too. And yes. I, I, yeah, I thought think- the most likely result was him converting. I mean, the way they were running the ball against Seattle, Seattle could not stop them. <laughs>
3: Let's go to our somewhat short-term memories a couple of Sunday nights ago when a, a particular New England Patriots team had the ball on the goal line after being very successful and won Mr. Cam Newton at the last play of the game, oh, tried to true. run it in from the one and against the same defense, and that didn't end up really well.
1: That's also true. But would you call that play again? That, that's, that, you know, that's the thing is, you know, if you're in those shoes – would you do you go with the play that works most of the time, or you know, you know we could go back to this if you want to go back even more, Jim. We could go to the Super Bowl at <laughs> the Pats and Seahawks, where they did not go to Marshawn Lynch. And yeah, funny how uh, you know the alternate realities can happen here. I you know you could say hey, it was a great call, especially because it wasn't fourth down on that play. It just he, you know the guy made a great play on the throw. Uh, you, you know, and that that that, that it always funny. Isn't it always funny how Seattle always comes down to the last play of the game?
3: It's it's it is crazy. It's crazy. One more thing about the Marshawn Lynch thing, and I've never really had a forum to say this. Now this would be very quick. You know, they so they didn't run Marshawn Lynch at the goal line, from what I had seen in that season and the season prior. He fumbled an inordinate number of times at the goal line in those two seasons. To me, he I mean, I can't remember the number. It was a lot. And I remember there was a game against the 49ers. It was a huge game. And he put the ball on the carpet. And the play where they lost one of their great – the 49ers was a great defender. had a significant knee injury. But, um, but it was very common. And nobody ever talked about that. Right? But I remembered it very clearly all the fumbles that he had at you know, the goal uh, line.
1: The thing is, that's because of his running style. He right? initiates contact. He doesn't run away from contact.
3: He initiates it. Uh, yeah. And these were goal line carries. So I'm not, I, mean, I was just eliminating the goal line carries and it was inordinate. So maybe when they drew up that play in that Super Bowl to throw at the goal line, maybe it was because New England knows as well as anybody. He fumbles at the goal line and maybe they're the team to exploit that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. I'll defend that play call. I think it actually, I, I, especially yes. the second down. I think it was, it was either second or third. I'm pretty sure it was second. Fact is, you know, that, that was like the, Fifth percentile result. It just happened to, It happened. You, the, sometimes the dice rolls that way. Um, it's not a dice game. I understand that, but percentage wise, it's you know it was it was not a bad call. I don't think.
3: But uh, were you aware that New England actually practiced that exact defensive play? Of course they did. Bill check's the man.
1: Of course they did. Yeah, I was, I, I was <laughs> aware of that. But the, was Seattle? Yeah, you know, we know that
3: after the fact. We didn't know that at the time, though. No. And, but the thing was, I don't know how often they even ran that play in the regular season. It was like, did they even run it? And if they did, then I get it. But if they hadn't run that play, then talk about crazy genius. Yeah. Or, or was he spying their practices? <laughs> well, it is
1: New England. So, you know, that, that's always thrown into the equation as well. Uh, before I move on, quick note from our friends at Prediction Strike Prediction Strike is a fancy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. Ever heard someone say, I've had stock in this player since day one? Well now, Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. You had stock in Patrick Mahomes' rookie year? You knew this would happen? Now it's reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com to create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. Each game is an earnings report. If the player beats his projections, his stock moves up. It's that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up with code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Jim Coventry on the Monday Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, One of the big stories of Week 5 was the Raiders going into Kansas City and upsetting the Chiefs. And it wasn't a fluky game, Jim. The Raiders were controlling this game, especially in the second half.
3: They absolutely were. But there was a pivotal play in the first half. Tyreek Hill was double-covered. Patrick Mahomes threw him a 50-yard pass or so. Punt Hill was clearly interfered with, and that turned the script. That was they, they ended up punting, but yet they would have probably scored a touchdown. Completely flipped the script of the game.
1: It did, it did, and there's hidden plays like that all the time. Earlier, he threw a 65 yard dime to Hill, and also in double coverage that connected for a touchdown. We got called back due to holding. Uh, it yes. you know it changes fantasy leagues all the time, of course, and it changed the game flow. Now, the Chiefs, to their credit, I mean, I think they still scored on that drive. It just took them a lot longer to do that. But it was back and forth, back and forth in the first half, 24 24. The second half, the Chiefs really struggled to move the ball. You know, the pass rush was getting home frequently to Mahomes.
3: I had no answer for that while I was watching it. It was very, very odd. And again, I really think that. That pass interference call I referenced, I believe it really changed momentum for them. And I think that put them in this funk that they never got out of until the game was completely in desperation mode late in the fourth quarter. Because they sat probably 20 to 23 minutes of the clock without scoring a single point. Yep. Yep, that's right.
1: Uh, and that, that changed things quite a bit. Uh, so... You know, I, I uh, yeah, I, I was I lost my uh, two of my three remaining survivor picks, and the other one was by the skin of my skinny skin teeth with the <laughs> Seattle. Uh, but you know, good on Derek Carr. Derek Carr looked great. He was dropping dimes. Henry Ruggs was looking uncoverable. Uh, Darren Waller played well. Josh Jacobs had a hard time getting on track, but of course he he got. You know, he paid off uh, his his fan, uh, the p- people had him on his fantasy rosters uh, late in that game. That second touchdown was just just manna from heaven, having the interception, ha- having the interceptor t- uh, tackled at the two yard line. Just and yes. six more points. Uh, but you know, car car was one of the stories of this game. One interception, but three hundred forty seven yards, twenty two of twenty two of thirty uh, one, and he was throwing downfield. He's notorious for not throwing downfield and. He was willing to do so yesterday.
3: I believe that the Chiefs came into this game with a mindset because over the last two years, they get gashed on the ground and they gave up very, very little through the year. I mean, they're literally like the number one team against – opposing quarterbacks and passing offenses but they came into this game i don't think they had any concern that the raiders would be able to beat them in the air and i believe they focused their energy on stopping the run game yep. because josh jacobs was held well below four yards per carry and we know running backs are getting five and six yards a pop against them yet we had henry Ruggs at the 72 yard touchdown. okay we'll buy that he's got amazing speed agalor a 59 yard touchdown hunter renfro a 42 yard catch so i believe john gruden was willing to dial some plays up and Carr had you know again he doesn't always like to make those throws but i think they were being given that they were being dared to beat them in the air and it it worked
1: it sure did it sure did and that only bodes well for jacobs in the long run
3: you know you know
1: he'll stop seeing some of these seven and eight man boxes Mm -hmm. have some room to run every once in a while which will be
3: pretty handy it's a good call. Yeah, absolutely a good call. Yeah. Next time they play the Chiefs, that'll be the case. Yeah. Chiefs won't make that mistake again. Right.
1: Uh, they uh, are off next week, uh, uh, and unfortunately, and then they get a John Gruden revenge game. Who gets the revenge? The Bucks or John Gruden? I don't know, but uh, they play the Bucks in Week Seven in Vegas. So uh, we'll see uh, what they have in store for that one. Kind of a tough matchup there, you know, for Jacobs for sure. Uh, you had a good look at the with your bear down Chicago Bears on Thursday night against the Bucks.
3: I did. and The Bucks were exactly what we expected. They give up very, very little on the ground. They have a very good pass rush. Um, an elite receiver in Allen Robinson was able to get open in the short to intermediate areas. Um, the one thing the Bears did well is they've gotten Jimmy Graham. When they get in the red area, they will often line him up as an isolated receiver on the boundary and they'll get him lined up against a cornerback who obviously he dwarfs. And so even though Jimmy Graham, I contend can't run anymore, he can certainly box out a small cornerback and clean up. He has like four or five touchdowns. I wish I remembered the exact number, but he's dropped two, and he had one like sail over his head, but he is a main component of the red zone offense. Yeah,
1: that's right. Um, so yeah. It, you know, I, I came away from that game, super impressed with Rojo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ronald Jones, just he's the man. He looks really good, uh, and you know, seeing Keyshawn Vaughn have a drop and fumble, and you know, you know, he got rocked on the plate where he fumbled, mind you, but uh, clean hit too, by the way. Uh, but R- Ronald Jones looked phenomenal. Uh, that that's one of the takeaways I have is if you know any any leagues where I have him, I'm excited that I'm going to be able to use him going forward.
3: So Ronald Jones. Runs in a straight line with reckless abandon, which works well for him. When he the Bears have not been good against power runners this year. Adrian Peterson had like ninety-two yards on a small number of carries, and there were a couple other running backs that were just straight-line guys, and they gashed the Bears. The Eddie Goldman loss for Chicago has been paramount. Yep. Now the Bears do better against the shiftier backs, but they, because of that lack of presence in the middle of the line, this was not an unexpected result from Ronald Jones. I still have, Thoughts, though, that even though he's had the five-plus yards in two straight games, when he's had tough opponents, he's been held in the the low threes. So I think he's very situationally based. I still believe that Leonard Fournette is a superior runner, and I think when he gets healthy, I I still think that Ronald Jones is on thin ice despite him taking advantage of good opportunities in front of him. And in terms of the passing game, Ronald Jones, he is like among the league leaders in drops. Yes, I will concede that point. Uh, Yes, Yes, he has a 13.6% drop rate. And one of the only players in the league who's worse than him is LaShawn McCoy at 154 So there is an opening in the passing game there. And Keyshawn Vaughn, you're right. It was a drop, but I'm sure that's one that they could probably see past a little bit. Um, Didn't help in the moment. And it certainly helped cost them a loss. But that passing down role, I believe, is wide open.
1: Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn had the uh, also had a drop against the Chargers. By the way, after his touchdown, he had a drop on another drive. So, I, I you know Rokon Smith was part one of my takeaways. He
3: could not tackle. Uh, he could not tackle Jones nope. at least. He had a hard this season. time with him. He's been bad this year. Um, he had one, he compiled a number of tackles, but he is not covering the ground. He has not been an elite linebacker this year. So that's a very astute call on that. You were right dead on with that one. Um, he is not playing well. Danny Trevathan is very hit or miss. Um, n- clearly not the player he was. And it, in addition to the Goldman loss, those linebackers are not helping them. So, again, they will continue to get gashed by opposing run games. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, it's a good point. You know, gaudy tackle numbers don't necessarily mean good play. Uh, I see that a lot of times with safeties. You see that oh they they piled on a lot of tackles. Well, that's because sometimes they're getting beat in the passing game. Other right. times it's that's they're just the last line of defense. Uh, it does not mean that they're ha- they're playing at an elite level by any means. Uh, but you know. Front offices know that we just we care if we're in our IDP leagues and we're counting tackles as a as a stat. we we love it when they're piling up those stats, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's not an indicator of future good play.
3: Absolutely correct, and that's something that fantasy managers it may not necessarily matter because all you care about in fantasy are the numbers. But yes, if somebody is definitely want. Wanting to watch NFL games just for the purpose of learning more about the game, you're right. Those two are not necessarily correlated. Right,
1: that's right. Uh, your Bears four and one. Uh, I they don't they they're not they are not they do not still look the part. That's my problem. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Nick Foles had an awful first half. Was better. It was interesting to see how they were using the short passing game as if it were the running game. You know, you, it's hard to run against the uh, Bucks. So instead of just forcing that they were doing a lot of short passes kind of had a lot of time of possession that game but you know I don't know if that's a
3: sustainable formula going forward it was almost three times the amount of passes per runs well you know I do not give Matt Nagy a lot of credit for things he does but if this was his game plan coming in it was exactly what needed to be done against this defense they attack them the one way with their personnel that you could and yeah. so that definitely worked out um now nick Foles, no i'm not thrilled with him at all now the interception wasn't his fault alan robinson somehow had this weird thing yes. where you got like, the ball in the air was a that was ball. odd it was like he said <laughs> it. <You know>. Yeah. <laughs> oh that is funny now the bears in terms of their season long uh, you're right they don't look the part but they're probably making the playoffs. Their schedule is ridiculously good the rest of the way. They have a couple tough games. They got Carolina, they um so- and then they get Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Well, go ahead. Finish it. And then I'm going to have a quick uh, comment in, in return here. But go ahead.
3: They get the Lions and the Jaguars. Um, the Texans aren't any great shakes. I know they may be playing better with no B.O.B. around now and a pair of games against the Vikings. That's hardly insurmountable. Um, so overall, remember, seven teams make the playoffs this year. If you win nine games, you're pretty much in.
1: So I, this game against the Panthers coming up. Matt is a good coach. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm on board with this as being a – this is a game you don't – first of all, Bears can't afford to overlook anybody. Uh, but I, this is one you can't – and then the Rams are – I think the Rams are solid, then the Saints, then the Titans, then the Vikings, then the Packers. You, they may not be a a favorite in more than one game in their next six.
3: I don't know. Yeah, as I see that – and you're right. I mean – not overwhelmed with the schedule. I I think there's enough games that are winnable, but the Rams, I guess I want to talk about the Rams a lot, but the Rams are very, very game plan specific. Their, Their coaching has gotten them some things done. But if they're going to face a good defense against the pass, they're going to be in trouble because they are hiding Jared Goff as much as they can. He is getting the ball out ridiculously fast, and it's because they have no confidence in him. And so I'll be interested to see, because the Bears do play the pass very well, um, and I don't know if that running game is the one that's going to be that up-the-middle power running game that can take advantage of the Bears. Um, It's going to be a fun game to watch. It's a night game.
1: Yeah. Uh that's true. One thing about the Rams and I've watched a lot of them. They're they're one team in the first half and then after halftime teams adjust, make adjustments and they're another team then. Uh yes. and you know, the Bills game is obviously comes to mind, but they jumped Philly, they jumped Washington football team yesterday. Uh you know, they 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 jumped the Cowboys a little bit too. Uh you know, teams do make adjustments and I think it, you know they kind of have to get them you have to stop that onslaught early, I think. But uh, that'll be interesting. But the Panthers, you know, hey, I mean, granted, going to Atlanta and beating Atlanta and seeing the coach get fi- and GM get fired afterward, you know, it's more of a negative endorsement on Atlanta. But Carolina's won three games now. They they went into LA, beat the Chargers. Is not a bad win. Uh, you know, they lost Christian McCaffrey. I think Rule and uh, and, and Joe Brady. I mean, I, I think that's a good combo. I think that they're
3: maximizing their talent. They absolutely are. But I really feel at some point this silliness with Robbie Anderson is going to cause him a problem. I'll explain why DJ Moore is, has been phenomenal catching the ball in the short area and running. They basically gave him the old Robbie Anderson role. He's the downfield guy. Anderson's the underneath guy. Well, if Anderson, and I don't know, I'm making this up. If he weighs 180 pounds, I'd be shocked. And he, cannot keep catching short passes he is going to take a beating in the middle of the field he will not hold up a season if he keeps seeing double digit targets short passes every game he has no way built for that and so i I am just waiting and i hope that robbie anderson stays completely healthy for his you know his own benefit love him as a person but the way the coaches are using him i do not see that as sustainable
1: yeah well here's the thing Kendall Sheffield was shadowing him. Remember, he's replacing AJ Terrell. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know who uh, ha- has, he got activated from the the, the COVID list? Uh, but you know, for whatever reason, they were going Sheffield, and Anderson was just burning him, especially in the first half. And, and you know Sheffield tweaked his ankle and that might have been a reason why it, it kind of worked off worked a little bit better for the Panthers uh but that that's you know you notice that they did most of their damage in the first half of that game but they also had a twenty seven twenty 20 to 7 lead at at halftime too so they kind of coasted in the second half i i i I, I would like them to see them not take their foot off the pedal a little bit more uh, from a fancy perspective I certainly would like that but uh yeah it, I thought that was an interesting adjustment. The guy I'm really disappointed with is uh, Curtis Samuel. Uh, just maybe uh, you know there'll be games where they need more out of him, but he hasn't done a whole lot. Our guy Ian Thomas hasn't done a whole lot. I was expecting more out of him this Zero. year. I was expecting more out of him this uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. I just he's a cut now. I, I just time's a wasting. We're getting to bye weeks and all that. You just I can't wait any longer. But uh, anyway,s will be that'll be a fun game against the Bears. Uh, let's take a real quick, uh, another note from our friends at stable duel. Are you dominating your fantasy football league? Great. Good for you. Well, now there's another game you need to play. Imagine fantasy, but for horse racing, stable duel is live with daily contests, offering thousands of dollars to be won each week. Jim, I know you love the ponies, so this is all about you, right? You go out to RF uh, yes. all the time, right? But yes. Download the Stable Duel app, create your account, and start selecting your horses today. Compete against other players for winner circle glory and big money prizes. New to racing? Not to worry. Stable duel is simple and fun with low level entries and big payouts. Name your stable, select ten horses with your in your bankroll, and watch each horse accumulate points depending on where they finish. Invite friends to compete against and show them who dominates at all sports, including the sport of kings. Download the Stable Duel app and build your stable today. Get in the action of Stable Duel. Play, race, win. Don't place or show. Just win. Uh, I I live about ten minutes from Santa Anita. Beautiful, beautiful track. I don't know jack about horse racing, but we go like once every other year, and it's it's a fun day. But uh, you know, I, I'm a donor otherwise there. Uh, Anyways, no one really cares, so we'll move on. Uh, I want Jim. I want to ask you about a couple other games. Uh, let's talk a little Steelers and Eagles because if you're a Steelers fan, or if you're a fa- if you had the the Steelers defense, this is a worrisome game. They got carved up by back you know, practice squad wide receivers and Carson Wentz, who heretofore had done very little on the course of the season. <laughs>
3: So in that game, and you would think the Steelers would be able to shut down pretty much anything that the Eagles would do. And in a way, they took away what they did best. Now, I get it. I get it that Miles Sanders had the long touchdown run. All right. Absolutely fine there. But the rest of the game, he had 10 carries for six yards. Yeah. So 74 yard run. And so they basically, yeah, one run. And I get it, it happened. But otherwise, he couldn't move. And Zach Ertz, one catch for six yards. So basically, they said, we're going to bracket Ertz, take him away. We're not going to let Sanders run on us, and you're not going to beat us. Well, Travis Fulgham showed up, and that was the problem. And they really didn't make any adjustments for him, and that was kind of ridiculous because he was consistently making plays, and he should have been very easy to take out of the game. But let's let's face it, the Steelers at – one point in the second half they gained somewhat control over the game it wasn't by a big score but they probably felt as if they were on their way to a victory so they probably didn't feel the need to change now that doesn't help fantasy managers but but certainly they did what they set out to do is take away those two superstars
1: yeah that's right uh chase claypool versus travis fulgham who does
3: either player have enduring value the rest of this season look chase claypool at some point, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. He, he, Right. I mean, realistically, what we saw in that game and I get it, Fulgham played a nice game. There's no question, but what Chase Claypool did and it's not like he's been poor when he's played earlier. He had the 88 yard game in week two on just a few opportunities and his snap share the last week's. And I know it's due to the Deontay Johnson injury. I totally get that. He was, he had the concussion and he missed time, but Chase Claypool. Now he's an, he's averaged 56 snaps over the last two games And this is the first game he had touches. He had 11 touches, eight as a receiver and three as a runner. And at this point, in terms of waivers, look, I'm going to spend fab on him this week. and I'm going to spend up. He could become a whole lot of nothing. He could go back to a part time role, but he could be a league winner. He is that big, fast, strong and talented. And Ben Roethlisberger has always made it a point to get the ball to the players that could do damage.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right. The Steelers are great at identifying wide receiver talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they spent a second-round pick on him. It's not like this is some fifth-round guy that they're like, uh, well, maybe he's got good size. Hopefully it works out. No. This was – and if I recall, they didn't have a first-round pick because they, they, they got that in the, the trade last – they used that in the trade last year. So if you think mm-hmm. – if you really think about with Miami uh, – this, their fir- this is their first pick in the draft. And this super talented draft. And they had three good wide receivers. And they're like, no, this is a good player. We're going to get this guy. This is a difference maker.
3: And if people watch DK Metcalf play, and I understand that Chase Claypool is not DK Metcalf, but when you see somebody who is so much bigger than the players who are defending him, basically you just throw it to them. Because it's not like DK Metcalf became this great route runner because we know he wasn't coming into the league. Right. He doesn't have to be. He could run slants and goes all day long. Good luck stopping him. You can't out-physical him. There's not one thing you could take away from him. And if you double him, he just throw it up high. Doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: Oh, the, the, the Sunday night game against the Pats, where he beats Gilmore, which, first of all, is pretty amazing, and then uses his body as a shield to kind of – he purposely slows down just so he can shield Gilmore <laughs> for the touchdown. I mean, that was like – Oh, he's learning too. It's like yeah. uh, it's like Die Hard. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! You know, I, you know, now I can use, you know I'm getting I'm, now he's learning. You know it's it's scary how good he's becoming. And yes, I know I turned it, uh, a, a Claypool comment into uh, a DK Metcalf comment, but that's how much I'm in love with DK Metcalf. But uh, boy, yeah, it's hard. I think you're right. I think it really. and I think you described it well. It is hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, it's just they have a lot of mouths to feed. And Deontay Johnson was the trendy it guy. He was the guy. Like, oh, I had him I had him ahead of Juju last week. Uh and now I, you know, I, I do the rankings uh every Tuesday on RotoWire. And you can, by the way, if you don't if you're listening to this and you don't subscribe to Rotowire, you can still get a subscription or you can get a free 10-day trial. RotoWire.com slash pod pod. We'll get you a free 10 days. Check it all out. No credit card required. Hopefully you want to subscribe, but I I'll do my rankings. I'm still gonna figure the the, the the Steeler rankings are gonna be super difficult this week, Jim.
3: Oh, they absolutely are, and because we don't know what they're going to do with Chase Claypool. We do know that they really don't seem to have much of a plan for Juju Smith-Schuster. He yeah. has not acclimated well this season. His targets, he had six, eight, five, and last week, this week, is was only five. And so it has not been, you know, again, only one game with more than six targets. That's not cutting it. And he's not getting these downfield targets. He's not getting, in, in week one, he had the two touchdowns. But he otherwise, he's not seeing high leverage targets no
1: he isn't he, he really isn't and that is you know that, that's really concerning and you know the thing is he was hurt a lot last year he's been on the injured list a few times this week this year you know he's getting that that veterans day off on Wednesdays well you don't just get it off you get it off because you need it and yes I, I yeah I, I'm concerned I well I i concerned as a uh, dispassionate observer because I don't have them in any of my teams, but it, it's not, it wasn't, it was one of those weird, like I'm not fading them, but I'm not going out of my way to get them sort of guys. And so I guess that for me, it's a happy accident that he hasn't gone off yet. But I don't know. Yeah. You know, the thing is for all that we were raving about the Eagles, keeping it close against the Steelers and they did, you know, Steelers still won by nine. The fact is they were dialing up whatever they wanted to do. They, they, they were naming their score on the offensive side of things. If it weren't for an Ebron fumble, uh, yes. this game's not even close.
3: A quick word on Eric Ebron. He has actually emerged into a floor play at tight end since week one. He's seen at least between, I should between 75 and 77% of the snaps. He's seen between five and seven targets and his yardage in each of those three games between 43 and 55. He has a touchdown in there, but at a tight end position that could be very volatile. The fact he has three straight games with in a PPR league, he's putting up at least eight points a game in those. And realistically, some people will take that gladly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And tell you, I'm in a uh two tight end league, the same league that's also super flex. It's yeah, it's a deep league. Uh we you know we, we dig into the corners a little bit, which I like. But, you know, I, I pick, you know, you're really kind of hurting, you know, sometimes. And, you know, I'll t- I'd take that floor every single week. I'd be happy with that floor. You know, I picked up Darren Fells and felt like I was, like, discovering gold, uh, try, you know, <laughs> when he got that touchdown because Aikens yeah. is out. So with the concussion, so and an ankle. So uh, the other game I did want to bring up was uh, Jacksonville Houston. You know, at the end, it was a little bit of a, a decent spread, but that game was close for a long time. And, in fact, for two and a half quarters, Jacksonville was the better team, even though the score didn't reflect it, only because the Jacksonville was historically stupid uh, in, in the red zone. I, I hate to use such a harsh word, but they, they were just awful, awful decision-making in the, in the red zone towards the end of the second quarter in particular, Jim.
3: Yes, and and you wonder what goes into this because they've had success offensively. They know what works. Um, now, I did hear what Shark went down with an ankle and missed the majority of this game. Was that correct? By what you what you heard as well? Uh, second half, he missed. He was. I mean, second he was actually half. in the fourth quarter,
1: and the. You know, I don't know if he got hurt early in the game and he just exited in the fourth. That might be the case. So he was almost a decoy for a while, but he did not get targeted
3: a lot. No, three targets again. And so that was, I wasn't sure. The eight games on at a time or was seven actually, because there was, um, you know, some cancellations and, you know, you see who's out there, but you don't necessarily picture who's not out there. But the fact that the targets were three, so he's had three, four, nine, and three, and he's your best player. And if he's on the field and I know you're talking about the play calling, get dj Chark the ball he is a difference maker and i don't know how they don't make that an emphasis of their offense
1: yeah i, I don't e- i don't either and i know he got a tart so in the, in the second quarter inside of two minutes they uh had got it down to the five yard line first play was a fade at the corner to Chark that didn't work then they ran they ran a play to chris thompson and or it was made from the seven yard line and it got it to the five and i just remember solomon wilcott's was the analyst and he's like yeah you know it, you don't want to there's something to the effect of yeah they're forcing uh, romeo Cornell to burn a timeout they're managing the time I'm like no you you're not playing for the field goal here you're down it's in the second quarter you don't get inside the 10 that often why are we talking about making on second down no less second and goal making him burn a timeout? No, that's not the goal. The goal is to score a touchdown here. What are you doing? And then they ran this weird like yes play the James to- Robinson play. Yep. And well that was that. Well that was later. That was okay. on fourth down. But on third <laughs> down they ran this weird play to Chenault. And then the late then they then they had a misfield goal. And then, then Watson throws interception. Then there's another missed field goal by Hauschka, uh, who's now he's going to be gone. He'll be the, the, the ex-Jaguars kicker, I'm sure. <laughs> and then in the second half, the third quarter, they got down there again, and they went for it in that weird James Robinson play. Yeah, it's like, okay, great. You're going for it now. Good for you. Yay. Oh, wait. James Robinson option pass? What? Uh, you know, direct snap, too? It's just, ah. Uh. Ugh. Oh, yeah, just
3: it was odd. Very odd. See, what they didn't learn, Jeff, was that running backs are replaceable. So James Robinson's fine, but quarterbacks are not. And you make James Robinson your quarterback, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Wild. And you were right. Chark got hurt in the fourth quarter. You were right. I just i I confirmed what you said, and that was true. And so that's even more inexcusable when you have Tyler Eifert seeing seven targets. uh, Unconscionable.
1: Yeah. It really is. It really is. So uh, yeah. Uh, any other games that like stuck in your mind the most? Like you're like, oh, that's. Well, give me uh, Jim
3: Coventry's observations from week five. Give me. Give me two big hits here. Well, the Miami Dolphins. Yes. What the heck happened in San Francisco? But you see, that's the thing. And maybe the DFS lesson of the week is this: whenever Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like he has a horrible matchup, play him. And when he has a cake matchup, uh, sit him.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the now, Niners have a pr- real problem. Their secondary is
3: awful right now. Uh, but it's been it's been for weeks. They've been missing everybody for weeks, Jeff, and they've been good. And I didn't know how they did it. They were without their best pass rushers, like three of their defensive linemen. They were without most of their corners. And this is when the check came due. It, it baffled me. Yeah. And, well, I guess it's
1: facing the Jets, facing the Giants. Covered a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and they helped make Travis Fulgham an NFL player by getting beat uh, the week before yes. on Sunday night. Yes. Even that game, though. I mean, they gave up 23 points, and one of the, and one, part of that was a pick six. Uh, so, even then, it didn't look all that good. But, you know, they get, it was pretty darn bad uh, yesterday. In fact, I think they... <laughs> cut the guy that uh was getting burnt the most Allen, i think was his last name but i'm, I'm looking at their our, our depth chart for him and i don't see him which makes me think that there maybe there was a cut or something but it was really awful really awful and you know as bad as jimmy g was he was not and he was
3: bad uh you know the defense
1: also gave up a ton of
3: points yes now bad That game still so I had a couple things here I, From, I can't remember who I heard this from, but there was somebody like in a a medical position that said there was concern about quarterbacks coming off of high ankle sprains that their passes may float on them. And that is exactly what happened. So if that diagnosis was like actually a thing, it was what we saw in that game. And what the heck happened with Jarek McKinnon? I mean, I get it. Mostert was back, but they were splitting work to a degree. Moster, I mean, Moser gets his touches. McKinnon touches it twice, and, and I, I could not understand that. He has been an amazing player as we talked about this preseason, and and I don't know, maybe because the game got away, they didn't want to utilize him in a game that wasn't going anywhere, but it's not like they took George Kittle out. Now, not that McKinnon is George Kittle, but but regardless, that completely baffled me.
1: Yeah. Brian Allen, by the way, was the corner. Uh, and he hadn't appeared in an NFL game since they, for the Steelers in 2018, and he started uh, against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins found him right away. And I think that and, – and you know what? I, you don't want to slag the guy because I mean, he's doing the best he can. He just – they were down Sherman, who they're not going to have this upcoming week, by the way. Kwan Williams is out. You know Emmanuel Mosley is out. Dante Johnson is out. That – You know, that's and he so he is the starting ahead of Ken Webster. They got to figure out how to do you know, how to cover for that. But, you know, they're going to be vulnerable in future weeks, too
3: absolutely they are it's it's not looking great for them Um, and I know you would ask for another observation maybe for another game I want to talk a little bit very quickly about Indianapolis Cleveland so Anthony Costanzo the left left tackle was out and one of my pregame comments on Twitter was man Miles Garrett is going to be in Phillip Rivers face and you know the sack numbers may not have been there but the pressure was and Phillip Rivers no touchdowns a pick six and another interception as well you know that he was feeling that pressure and it was very problematic and also for Indianapolis what was weird was Zach Pascal was starting to produce in the slot but it was like they really wanted to make it a point to get T.Y. Hilton going so they kind of forced him targets but Rivers can't throw outside anymore oh. and they're Right. And, and so it was really problematic because had they just played the river straights, get the ball to the slot that mitigates pass rush and it would have put him in a much better spot. But the game Costanzo is out is the game you decide to turn it loose downfield. What a horrible choice. And my last comment before you jump in here is Trey Burton has seen more targets in each of his two weeks back than Moelle Cox and Jack Doyle combined. Don't forget, back when Philly won that Super Bowl, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. Burton was a second tight end. Burton is a great route runner who's had bad injury luck and played you know in a team in Chicago that didn't utilize him. But he is already becoming a big part of their offense.
1: Yeah, at, uh, and Moelle Cox was just a rumor. On Sunday, and honestly, I, I, I understand staying loyal to some of these guys, and maybe there's things we're missing, but I'm not all, I'm, I'm not all on that, though. I mean, the guy produced, and then he, he, just, he just take that away. you know, and Rivers obviously had shown a connection with him.
3: I think they, sometimes these they overmanage sometimes. It's entirely possible. Mo Ali Cox looks to be a phenomenal athlete. But Trey Burton, when he was starting to emerge in Philly, you could tell he was a very, very polished route runner. And Frank Reich, at the end of the day, if he's building something, when it comes to the playoffs where he's expecting to go, whether they make it or not, who knows. But Frank Reich is going to need the route runner. He's not going to need the athlete. The athlete can make the plays on occasion. But when you're in those hotly contested playoff games, I don't know. Give me the route runner. If he if he's playing as he did that last year in Philly, then he's a better football player. Not a better athlete, but a better football player.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But all I know is I made the Browns my best bet and, and uh, staff picks. We do a thing called Guess the Lines on Sirius XM on Tuesday mornings. And I we do this thing where we I make a point of not knowing the early lines, try to come up with my own line. We kind of go over that during the show. I set my line at Browns minus 4 that game. It was Colts minus uh minus 2 on the road. I did not see it. I saw the the, the Colts defense beating up on a ba- a bunch of bad defense, a bad offenses. And you know, it wasn't like the Browns dominated in this one. Baker Mayfield's very mediocre and also, you know, injured his ribs late in that game, so we'll watch that story this week. Yes. Uh but I, I also thought that the you know, Phillip Rivers can lose a game on his own, and sure enough he did. <laughs> he, he he was awful. And the grounding penalty was, you know, the, the grounding in the end zone was inexcusable. He tried to blame a teammate for that, but he threw it out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. What, if he if he throw if it if it was truly like uh, oh he ran the wrong pattern, it would have shown like with the, the trajectory of the pass that they had a chance to complete. It. No, he was just getting rid of it. Miles Garrett was in eating their lunch and Rivers just he was overmatched.
3: He was now on the other side of the ball. I was saying before this game, I am very anxious to see how Kareem Hunt plays without Nick Chubb battering down and tenderizing a defense. I've been really on, and when he was back with Kansas City, he had the perfect scheme. I know he put up fantasy numbers, but with no Darius Leonard, it was 3.6 yards per carry behind a really good offensive line in a very positive game script. I still want to see going forward what Kareem Hunt really is because he has had the most perfect situations his whole career and now that he got 20 touches again fantasy numbers are there fantasy managers are happy and I still am interested to see what he really is when he's given a full load over a period of time. Yeah, Uh,
1: uh, I I think you're right about that. He cramped up a little bit in the fourth quarter on that one. Darnus Johnson salted away the game with a long run late Uh, that kind of got them that extra first down let them run down the clock so yeah, maybe, you know, I I still think it's in their be- you know, I think it's in Cleveland's best interest to have two backs. Uh and you know, you just you like like just you know, do someone taking the chub role to a lesser degree and that that frees Hunt for not having because I don't think he's particularly built for 25 carry, 25 touches in a game. He needs someone
3: else to kind of tenderize the meat a little bit a very nice comment i like that and the touchdown that hunt scored it was basically a wide receiver route in the end zone and i like that part of his game Oh, he has that that right i mean there are very few players that have that level of ability as like a receiver i love that part of his game yeah yeah so
1: my best bet was right my second best bet was right not too much else was right i had a lot a bad week it was funny. I was looking, going through that, like, oh, yeah, I nailed my first two. I'm pretty smart. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm like four and eight or five and seven. <laughs> yeah, I was like way off on the Niners, way off on the Chiefs. You know, yeah, there's other things. You know, some, some were way off on the Bengals. They, they didn't come close. That game was never close. And you know, it took one series to realize I, it was like Arrested Development. I've made a huge mistake. Oh, nice. They, they never had a chance in that game, Not not even for a second.
3: Now, I had, we have Legal Sports betting in Illinois. I had two parlays that I played. One were teams, and I hit the three teams. I took the Steelers minus the seven or so, Arizona, I think it was about the same number. And then um, I'm trying to remember the third game that I had. No, the Texans. I thought the Texans would cover with Bill O'Brien gone. And then my other parlay was a four-teamer, and it was all player props. It was. D.J. Moore over 67 yards, Terry McLaurin under 58, and um, Darius Slayton over 57, and then I had a fourth player in it that evades me. But on the parlays, I hit both of those. I had a couple smaller things with singleton players, but it was really a good day for me. That's nice. Awesome. Oh, so where do you go? So yes, I'm going to DraftKings, and we also have Illinois Bet Rivers. So it's two different ones that I use. I, done, I use them for different.
1: It's funny you say that because I've done, I've appeared on Veasan a couple of times, and they he's from, uh, Danny Burke's doing it from Bet Rivers. So uh, it's, exactly. Now, do you, you know where is? Are you going to the brick and mortar? or Are you doing it online?
3: No, on the app and it was dumb due to the pandemic basically governor pritzker allowed people to sign up mobile which wasn't going to be allowed and basically these places have, like so I, I typically don't go to a casino so i may not have been too i may have been too lazy to go and drive out there but when he allowed that it was fine and one thing i want fantasy managers to understand if you have really strong fantasy knowledge or if you're following um, jeff erickson's projections and, and value meter and chris Liss's, um you know what when you see a number of a player receiving yards, rushing yards, and it's way over or under what the prop bet is. Prop betting is not a bad way to go,
1: not at all, not at all. Um, so, uh, yeah someday California will jump on that on that train, hopefully, but not today. Uh, so, yes, but that's okay. I have plenty of outlets, so that's the way I look at it. There, even when I'm in Vegas, I, I, I'm really just I'm more you know I'm more about poker when I go to Vegas. It's kind of funny. That's my game. That's my jam. So well, we'll see. But then again, when we go, it's summertime, you know, there's nothing to bet on then usually because it's during the all-star break for our annual yes. company trip or whatever, or I'm there for the NFPC and I don't have a whole lot of time there anyhow. So, all right, that's going to wrap up today's uh, podcast. Jim and I could, you know, we scratched the surface. We could have gone for two hours easily, <laughs> easily, but we're, the man won't let us. Uh, but we, we do want to thank uh, you guys for listening to us. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Jim,
3: thanks for jumping in today. Oh, I love the Jeff anytime. Have a good one.
1: You bet. Uh, we got Joe Bartle and Jake Latarski tomorrow, Waiver Wire Tuesday. Make sure to tune in, and of course, lock it in, subscribe, rate and review us, please. It does mean a ton to us. Take care. Have a great day.:
2: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.